Welcome to the Grafton Baptist Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit graftonbaptist.com. Good morning, everybody. The kids are now dismissed to their classes. Nursery is open. Ages four and up for the kids, and nursery is open for three and below. Thank you so much to everybody that is volunteering for this ministry. It's really important. I know parents... I know my wife was really excited, and I'm sure the rest of the parents are as well. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Matthew 5, verse 21. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and, Lord, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are slow to anger. Lord, please have mercy on us. We're about to open Scripture, your Word. Give us understanding. Lord, that your Holy Spirit might be moving among us. And I pray this in your name. Amen. I want to say that if you have the chance to go to prayer meeting, to come to prayer meeting, please do so. Uh, they have been really beneficial. We're going through a few of uh, Charles Spurgeon's sermons, and they are really good. They're really practical. They're really good. And the most interesting thing is that the things that they were going through uh, 150, 200 years ago are the same that we're going through right now. Um, and it's encouraging to hear from our brother, Charles Spurgeon, and the advice that he had for the church regarding prayer meeting. So please, please come out. We have been praying for revival, revival. And there's not going to be revival if we don't study scripture, if we don't pray to God. So if you have time, please, I would love to see you here. Prayer meeting is one of my favorite times. So we left off in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we, we talked about the righteousness of the Pharisees. And the scribes, and that our righteousness ought to surpass those of uh, the religious elite, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Otherwise, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And we understand that the righteousness, in order for our righteousness to surpass that, it has to come from the heart, from an understanding that we need a Savior. And that's where we are. So let's read the passage today. You've heard that it was verse five, uh, Matthew 5, verse 21. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar... And then remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms uh, quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny anger who suffers 
from anger? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but I know some of you do, so here I am. I suffer of anger. You know, I get angry really easily. For example, uh, if the keys okay, are misplaced, if my wife misplaces them, oh boy, I get angry. If I misplace them, hey, no big deal, right? No big deal. Everybody help look for them. Evelyn, Melissa, please look everywhere. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. We make it fun. But what about when others do something wrong? Are we as gracious to them as you are to yourself? It is important to remember when reading this passage that Jesus is not criticizing the law per se, but rather correcting the misunderstanding and incorrect application of the rabbis of that time. Of the people in charge at that time. Uh, the, the Lord Jesus in the following verse is going to touch on uh, some of the things that we see in the Ten Commandments. And will give them back the true meaning. The true meaning. Because they were infused with the ideas of the religious elite at the time. Thinking back to the real spirit of, of the law. Which is holiness. Separation. Completely opposite from the world. But the people had turned this law into what they wanted. A system that was self-righteous. A system very similar to the world. So why in the first place did this people add it to the scriptures? Wasn't, wasn't there something in the scripture that uh, thinks ahead of something in a scenario like this? Why were they able to add to the scriptures? So let's go to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Chapter 17, verse 9. Deuteronomy. There are a few words that are difficult to say. This is one of those. Deuteronomy. Chapter 17, verse 9. And you shall come to the Levitical priest and to the judge who is in office in those days, and you should consult them, and they shall declare to you the decision. So, in interpreting the law, someone had to be in charge on how to interpret the law. And the Lord is saying, go to the, to the priest. Then you shall do according to what they declare to you from that place that the Lord will choose. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they direct you. According to the instructions that they give you. And according to the decisions which they pronounce to you. You shall do. You shall not turn aside from the verdict that they declare to you. Either to the right hand or to the left. The man who acts presumptuously. By not obeying the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge that that man shall die. You shall purge the evil from Israel and all the people shall hear and fear and not act presumptuously again. So this is the reason why they, add, they added to the scripture. They interpret scripture their way. And the people is right there in the Old Testament. It says you have to obey what they say. And it's the same thing that Jesus was telling them. Do what they say, not what they do. So there is a precedent for them to do that. But they were adding their own human ideas to the law. The religious leaders treated the law like it was just any other law. Like lawyers of today. Looking for loopholes and things that they can do to exploit their sinful nature for their advantage. This is what was happening. This is what was happening. Now, we have to be careful because just because it happened back then doesn't mean that we can, it can happen again today. 
So we have to keep our eyes open. Verse 21 of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. You have heard that it was said to those of old. Or another translation that would give its proper meaning is, you have heard say by those of old. Everywhere else, when the Lord is referring to the scriptures, he makes sure to mention it. On his temptation, just in chapter 4, he said, it is written. It is written. But here he says something different. He said, you've heard that it was said to those of old. The original passage is in Exodus chapter 20. And it's the Ten Commandments. But it is better explained in Leviticus chapter 24. And let me read this to you. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. That was a commandment. That was a commandment. A compilation of Jewish traditions tell us that if there was a Sanhedrin that would execute at least one person in a span of seven years, this Sanhedrin would be called a bloodthirsty Sanhedrin. Because it wouldn't happen that often. But it was there. It was there in the law. Every Jewish person would have understand the formula. You've heard that it was said of those of old. Because they rely on tradition so much. So much. And in, in, in Jewish tradition, there's, there's uh, one commandment that is very similar. Jesus was un- criticizing not God's law, but the law of the rabbis. What they had turned the law into. Verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. The rabbis assumed that the person that would not kill was fulfilling the law. But Jesus is telling us there's something deeper than this. But Jesus said, but I say unto you, and we talked about that about three weeks ago or so. Jesus spoke with authority like no man before him. He had no need like the prophets to say, they'll say the Lord. He said, but I say unto you, authority, because he's the lawgiver. He's our priest. He's king. He's the one that can say, but I say unto you. Then, then the Old Testament law, Deuteronomy 17, becomes really important when we understand that Jesus was the highest officer of the kingdom of God on earth. And with that authority, you shall do according to what they declare to you from that place that the Lord will choose. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they direct you. Jesus was telling them how to interpret the law properly. And he had the Old Testament backing up his his sayings. Because he's priest. Because he's king. When someone is trying to make you see scripture in a different way that the Lord Jesus intended. It is important to ask for biblical support. It happens to this day. It happens in many churches. It happens among believers. Otherwise, we can fall into sin like the rabbis of old. Sometimes good intentions don't always have the best of outcomes. 
Jesus shows that this commandment goes far beyond just killing. Killing begins with unjustified anger. And this is where it gets really interesting. I know you've been upset with people. <laughs> How do I know? Because we are the same, right? I've been upset. You've been upset. Anger and hatred that includes insults, slander, and estrangement from people. We tend to do that, right? Like we get upset and we want to make sure that they know that we're upset. Right? If you're not killing but you hate, you cannot escape the weight of the law. Anger also, also shows immaturity. Immaturity. Anger will consume you and make you sick. Anger is one of the few emotions that we know for sure that causes issues with you. Cardiovascular issues. It will not just harm your soul, but it also harms your body. Anger is terrible. It kills all around. Anger will consume you and make you sick. It makes you irrational. Doesn't it? <laughs> but have you ever seen someone argue and you're just, you know, like on the side? It's hilarious. It is really funny. The things that we say when we're angry, they're really funny. We act completely, completely irrational. Anger controls you and takes over you. You're possessed by anger. Think about your angry fantasies. There was a commercial, TV commercial for cereal. I don't know if you guys had the same, but it, the, the, this person was really angry. And in his imagination, he would grab a bowl of cereal and, and, and then as he started eating, the person that he was angry to, would, something terrible would happen to him. Like a piano would fall or a train would just randomly run over them. Or what are your angry fantasies? That's really embarrassing, isn't it? You know, like if I, if I knew your fantasies, if you knew my fantasy when I'm angry. What angry thoughts do you have? Who are you angry at? You have to walk through it. You have to think about it so that the true nature of your anger might come into display. You need to ask God because our heart is deceitful. If you are angry, we ought to deal with it. Do not assume that you're right if you're not dealing with it. Actually, you probably, actually, you probably should assume that you're wrong if you're not dealing with it. Because anger is harbored in the heart of the immature Christian. Don't worry about being right. Worry about offending our Lord, what he said. In order to keep this commandment, one must not do harm of any kind to your brothers and sisters in Christ. R.C. Sproul said, Jesus is saying here that not only is human life so important that we ought to never kill, but also we are to work to promote the safety, welfare, and sanctity of life. Putting the life of others first, their integrity first. 
So the law forbids murder, but also the potential, the seed that grows into killing someone. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Calling someone stupid is an intellectual judgment, right? I'm saying you're not smart. But labeling someone a fool, it's a moral judgment. Because a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Are we equipped to make those kind of judgments? Especially when you're angry? I don't think so. Just a side note. God and anger. Is God an angry God? (laughs) The God is slow. Our God is slow to anger. Exodus chapter 34. You don't have to go there. But let me tell you. Moses asked to see the Lord. And the Lord displays himself to him. And and, and, and he declares the Lord passed before him. And proclaimed the Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Isn't it interesting that of all the titles that God could have chosen to display at that moment. He chose to say, I am slow to anger. What does it mean to be slow to anger? It means to have a long nose. It means to have a long nose. And that's the expression that it was used. If you go back to the original text, when it says that God is slow to anger, it's saying that God has a long nose. So what does that mean? For example, and you can go there. Open your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Proverbs 16, verse 32. And it says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and whoever rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And I did a little bit of a literal translation. And it would read like this. Whoever is of long nose is more pleasant than a warrior, and he who has dominion or control reign over his breath Wind or spirit than he who captures a city. You know how we say that uh, a person was, uh, had fire coming out of his ears or smoke coming out of his You understand that picture? That's the picture that we're saying when God has a long nose. When you get angry, your face gets red and you feel like you're burning. It doesn't happen with the Lord because he has a long nose. You ought to have a long nose. You ought not to get angry at your brother. But anger, God's anger, it's used to give us, usually deliver us into our consequences, into the consequence of our sin. Think of Samson. Think of the people of Israel. When they were in sin, God delivered them to what they wanted. You want to worship these idols? Okay, you're going to be captured by these people that worship these idols. And there you have it. That's what usually happens with God's anger. But what about your anger? Are you merciful and gracious first? Are you slow to anger? If you have the power to consume the people that you're angry with, how many of us would be left in this building? God's mercy and grace come before his anger. 
God's anger is good. He brings justice and righteousness. Not like ourselves, our own ideas of self-righteousness and justice. So now that we understand the authority with which this was said, the weight of the statement of the Lord, what do we do with it? What do we do with the knowledge that being angry is like murder, is like killing, is the beginning of that? Verse number 23 of Matthew chapter 5. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. In the Jewish context, this, this idea of giving a gift, it's just, it's just a, it's the most generic term that it could be used at that moment. So the Lord is saying, if you're at the temple for any reason and you're doing something, offering something, and you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave that. We ought to ask ourselves today, not whether I have a complaint about someone, but whether someone has a complaint against me. To leave the gift and the priest, an act of sacrifice unfinished, it's unheard of. Who would do that? Who would be before the priest offering their gift and suddenly remember and leave? Better, it is better than the deeper evil of not being ready to forgive. <laughs> the Lord is saying, break with all the tradition that you have. If you have something against your brother, that comes first. There's a rule in the Talmud, and I think this is what the Lord was referring to. And it says this, if a man is on the point of offering the Passover and remembers that there is any leaven left in his house, let him return to his house and remove it, and then come and finish the Passover. See the difference? The Jewish elite, they were so concerned about tradition The Lord is not concerned about that. He's concerned about your heart, your attitude, your character. It goes deeper than the outside. Be reconciled. How can you be reconciled with someone? Have you ever had to be reconciled with someone? It's not easy. Because you have to say, I'm sorry. You have to confess your sin. And that's not easy. I don't like to do it. I assume many of you don't like to do that either. Be reconciled, a confession of sin, a mending of a relationship. And then deal with your gift. Religion comes last. Tradition comes last. It is the act of loving that has preeminence in the kingdom of God. Remember, I said this many times. Love is the center of the gospel. Love is the center of everything. Dealing with an anger issue that you have today with someone, it's better than if, than if you volunteer for a hundred different ministries. 
at this church. Verse 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'll be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You're in the wrong. If you're angry, you're in the wrong. Go and do it quickly before the consequences reach you. It is about an attitude of the heart. It is about how much you know about God. Repent. Don't leave today without talking to that person. Today. Today. Repent because hate is the root of murder. Our Lord was killed so that us, the ones that constantly kill in our minds, would be saved. Ultimate sacrifice and forgiveness displayed in the person of Jesus Christ. I was talking to my wife yesterday about this sermon. And our Lord Jesus Christ, he's the ultimate example of forgiveness. I mean, first of all, he came to this world, right? For us sinners. And he suffered, not a little bit, quite a bit, by his own people. And what did he say? Forgive them because they don't know what they've been doing. At the cross, what did he do? He took a chance. He took his last moment to talk to someone. And show him the path of forgiveness. But what about us? What about us? We're more concerned about who is angry with me. Than about who I have wronged. We're more aware. We're really good at keeping tabs huh, on people. So let us love one another. First John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And let's go all there. 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 3. I love my Lord. Because he forgave, he forgave me much. 1 John chapter 3 verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not, does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. What are you going to do with this? This is the right interpretation of the law. This is what Jesus said. And the Old Testament warns us about not listening to our priests. The New Testament says that whoever does not love abides in death. 
Repent. Repent. Love one another. And you're going to see the blessing of the Lord in this church. I'm not saying that there's any problems. Although I, I assume where there's people, there's usually problems, right? So let us deal with them. That 2022 might be a year where we humble ourselves. And we listen to the word of the Lord. Forgive your brothers. That's the staple of the believer. Love for one another above anything else. Yes, yes, <laughs> we are uh, incapable. Yes, we're lacking. Yes, it's true. But our Lord Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Let us go to Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word and the message that you have for us today. Lord, this was a topic that was really challenging for me. Lord, I pray that you would touch the hearts of the people here today. That we might learn to love one another. Because you loved us. It's not based on our merit. It's based on what you've done for us. That we've been redeemed. Lord, bless the rest of this day. Take us home in peace that your word might be working in our lives. And I pray this in your name. Amen.